When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. For the first time in Purple Insider history, we are inside TCO Performance Center, not on Zoom, but actually sitting across from the table from ESPN's Courtney Cronin. What is up, Courtney? In person. I'm trying to rack my brain right now to think of the last time you and I did an in-person podcast that wasn't over Zoom or over StreamYard or anything over the computer. And now I'm starting to think... It was back at the Combine in February, late February 2020, when we sat in some wing of the convention center and we were, that's when, honestly, that's when Courtney, our draft scout, might have been like just at her peak. She was just coming out of her shell that year mm-hmm. because she's been around for a couple of years. I mean, she obviously is not here today, but um, man, that might have been the last time that we did that. Yeah. This be- is weird. Because the thing that I use to record in-person episodes has not been used really almost at all. I know. Have you dusted the cobwebs off that thing? You can see it's really, it is actually quite dusty. Yeah. Uh, I used it for an episode with Eric Eager when he was uh, here in Minnesota visiting his parents and stopped by my house. And this is the only other time right now that we're actually using this. So that's exciting. And I will say we'll get into all the hardcore stuff and the way I want to frame everything today is, is this a thing or not? Mm -hmm. But I will just say from the general feeling of having the murmur of the crowd, the music playing, guys out there practicing and mostly feeling back to normal is pretty good because last year was just weird and spooky and I didn't enjoy it. No, last year was such a anomaly and hopefully we'll never have to go back to that. I mean, it wasn't a full crowd out there today, but there were quite a few people. I mean, seeing the concourse, that packed before practice started where people are doing like the fan zone thing and the in the family fun area was neat. Like I, I did miss that part of it because it actually felt like real training camp. Um, I think the hard thing was last year they only had three weeks, remember? So it was like hybrid training camp slash preseason without preseason games. And now you actually have the ramp up period. And I mean today was hot. So they were in a good like it was a good situation where they could be without pads on. They don't have to rush into it. Cause remember they definitely had to rush into it last year. Um, they started on a Friday and they had pads on by Monday. So this was a, a nice change of pace. I know when we talked to Dalvin cook and we talked to Kirk cousins today and even Xavier Woods, who this is his first training camp. They talked about that sense of normalcy coming back to where you realize that you don't take these practices for granted when you're in camp. Yeah, it's the dog days of the NFL season trying to make a roster of her. You know, the guys are at the bottom half of that 53. But being out there, feeling the energy off the crowd, and once once the pads come on and we get into some 11-on-11, 11 11, and I can remember some really heated battles um, 
dating back to when Xavier Rose and Stephon Diggs would be going at it and get themselves kicked out of practice. Like, I hope we have stuff like that this year because that was what made training camp so fun in years past, and it feels like we're on the cusp of that happening. It really does. It really feels like a real training camp. Like you said, last year was just right into practices, and we got to watch practices that are kind of normal for what you would see right before the season or even during the middle of the season. And it was very hard to get a sense for even where everybody stood last year because it was so rushed. I mean, even the team didn't recognize, we didn't fully recognize how far along Justin Jefferson was, for example. That is the biggest thing that I think I've taken away just from like one day out there of training camp, but also like thinking about OTAs, like, Mm -hmm. That's crazy. That's an anomaly right there because of thinking how much time it's going to take these young receivers to develop. And, yeah, they don't have a first-round pick receiver out there. But what he did last year, and he talked about it today, um, you know, all the he used the word inconveniences he had his rookie year. And he really – that's the right word. Like everything that was thrown at him, there were just hurdles he kept having across of no normal offseason, no normal throwing session that they typically do, Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, whomever down, wherever. Um, he had none of that. He didn't even start till week three. So it's like all of that stuff that he did on the fly, I think truly untaps um, – a look into how great he actually is, which makes it scary this year. Being like, how much better can this guy be? Assuming you know, no sophomore slump, no injury, anything like that. Right, and he talked about that. Kirk talked about that. It's one of the things on my list of is this a thing or not. So we might as well just start mm-hmm. there and stop waxing poetic about um, you know how camp is back. But I, I, it was just a good feeling. I think for everybody and even you know, the PR people that we've interacted with. Um, over the years, having to only almost always interact with them through Zoom was yeah. pretty nightmarish. And uh, I remember today, because we haven't been that close to the players in a while, how big they are. They're yes. all very, very big. Oh, my Extremely gosh. Extremely big. Seeing Michael Pierce in person, like I knew he was a big individual. And, yeah, he didn't do much out there in way of practice because he's still recovering from the calf injury he sustained while training. But, oh, my goodness, that guy is a Mack truck. And seeing Daniil Hunter again in person, wow. And even Justin Jefferson being at the podium. I thought the same thing like, about Jefferson. He's a he's a big guy. He's a full 6'1", and like a big 6'1 at that. Like, I just really was not, um, I guess, yeah, they look like ants when we're, we were usually so much further away from them at practice. Like, that's one thing that listeners of the podcast might not know. Like, we are typically so far away because before the protocols came in for training camp, we had to stand – on the on the very far side of the field and up and kind of elevated so you're looking down at them and it's almost like they look like ants (laughs) so seeing them you know only a couple feet away is you know I I forget how big these dudes are and as we go along we'll get a much better feel of how things are going with the battles I I feel like last year was very difficult like you said to be that far away and it was how's this guy performing at right guard I'm not really sure and then we we would you know we didn't have any preseason games so we're just going to have a much better sense of how things are going this year as as opposed to last year but let's begin in terms of is this a thing the sophomore slump idea expectations that rest on the shoulders of Justin Jefferson like is this a thing or will this not be a thing and Justin Jefferson will do what Kirk Cousins challenged him to do which is do it again right again exactly do it again I I think there's always going to be some regression 
right? Because you know that defenses are going to change the way that they game plan for Justin Jefferson. But even last year, like I remember, wasn't it Pete Carroll and then Matt LaFleur? Uh, Pete Carroll said like something just about how great he was. And then Matt LaFleur going into week eight was talking about Justin Jefferson. And that's before they'd even seen Green Bay. It's not like, or no, that was the second time they had played Green Bay. So it wasn't like, but he not like he had seen Justin Jefferson in the form Justin Jefferson was going into week eight because in week one, he wasn't the same, like he wasn't playing like that. Um, so you know that like teams had to adjust for him last year and they really couldn't. And I think that defenses were certainly behind offenses by and large last year. So maybe maybe there will be some regression in that, to that standpoint. But throughout the course of the NFL, these rookies who have had incredible 1,000-plus yard seasons, there's always some step back, but not necessarily a major step back. If he's performing at like a Julio Jones-type level where Julio was rookie year to like his second year, because I looked this up from a fantasy perspective the other day, like – He's not in a bad spot whatsoever. Like, I think Justin Jefferson, when you look at what he and Adam Thielen can do together in 2021 and what that offense looks like, they're both going to be really successful. Like, I still think Adam Thielen will probably end up being the bigger red zone threat, just given that that's where a lot of his, you know, his targets and his, and his what he turned his targets into in terms of uh, touchdowns last year. That's where they all came. But I would – you know, I think that he will draw more attention. I think that he's done an excellent job this offseason of being exactly who he is, relishing in the moment of such a tremendous rookie season. I think those questions, he will start to downplay everything about last year. I think he's kind of at that point, I could sense it a little bit today, of turning the page to not talk about how great I was as a rookie and, like, you know, He's got to get ready for this year. But the one thing that he talked about is the confidence factor. He didn't shy away from that and say, oh, no, I'm starting over a year two, like starting from zero, et cetera. He said that that's the reason he's going to be even better this year. I mean, he put that out there. And I think having that sort of confidence, that doesn't wane. Like, he, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what teams will do to try to slow him down and how the Vikings, now that they may have an actually a number three receiver, um, you know, to be able to actually use more 11 personnel and you know, not just run out of those formations. And, you know, they're a team that uses two receivers and they don't really throw to anybody else. So now what could that do? If you have Jefferson and Thielen on the outside and have D.D. Westbrook in the slot, let's say, and I know I'm getting like way ahead of myself. This is another topic, yes. I know, but like it's just, you know, <laughs> that to me thinks, okay, Jeff Justin Jefferson can make good on that promise mm -hmm. because the offense becomes a lot more explosive. So I think that they're going to have to help him not – reach that sophomore slump by putting him in good position. I mean, he can obviously do a lot of it on his own, but there is a lot there that um, a lot to be like to de be desired with how good he can be this year. I think he will have to be better at football to achieve the same results. Uh, they're because of be the, more challenging. Yeah, right. Because of the amount of attention because of the defenses they face. That's another thing that we need to keep in mind is the environment was very friendly to the Vikings offense last year. Not necessarily their offensive line was not friendly, but they did not face a whole lot of great passing defenses last year. I expect Detroit to actually like put a defense on the field against the Minnesota Vikings this yeah, year. They should have a defensive line. I think this year they didn't have one last year and a coach who has some idea what he's doing. He might be a psycho, but I think their defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, knows what he's doing. Sure. I do not think that for Matt Patricia at all. So there will be more challenges along the way. We're also going to have to adjust our brains because it's 17 games instead of 16 yeah. games. But 
I think what we saw from him today is the understanding of what it's going to take to continue, like her cousin said, putting up numbers at that level and performing at that level. And Jefferson even went into detail about his training and how he was trying to improve his body control. And like, I'm like, wow, you're like really giving us some good stuff here because that to me, I mean, he was working out with Jarvis Landry. He said he was not working out with, but he was like on the same field. I I took it as like with Stefan Diggs. Mm -hmm. They must all have been in the same place together in, in Miami. Um, And KJ Osborne was there. Like he's putting in the work. So it's not like this guy's resting on such a great rookie season. Like he's trying to do the work to, to get to that next step, which that's kind of a heads up thing. I mean, the guy's 22 years old, like he's young. So he's very much like not even on the cusp of the prime of his career, scratching the surface of it. So he said all the right things and I don't think it will be difficult to see that go translate onto the field because he's put in the work. What's so interesting about his mentality really from day one to me is that he was such a big superstar. And I talked to his receivers coach in high school, which tells you about kind of where he came from, mm-hmm. that they had a receivers coach and like the guy's well known. Um, but I, I talked to him last year and he was saying that anywhere you go in Louisiana – Justin Jefferson is a huge star. And this was before he even stepped on an NFL field because of the what LSU he did. LSU stuff, right. yeah. Exactly, what he did at LSU. So he's sort of used to this level of stardom. He sort of expects this level of stardom for himself. And I think that there's something to that from someone who suddenly becomes a star and then has to deal with that to this was what I expected for myself and now I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to that next level it's been an interesting uh, path to follow with him and to sort of track what he sounds like talking to us. And it hasn't changed. Like he seems to have the same disposition toward us that he had in, in our lines of questioning the first time we talked to him as he did just today when we talked to him. Yeah. And that, that could change. Um, Stefan Diggs was, you know, he, he had a disposition about him before, the miracle play happened, and then before the ball started not getting thrown to him. So I think, honestly, not like it's it's on like what the scheme is going to bring out of um, out of Justin Jefferson to keep him happy too. I mean, he's you know a people pleasing person. I mean, you hear the way that he answers questions, the way he talks about like wanting to perform, um, and, and you know not just you know for people but for himself, meet his own expectations because I'm sure. You know, he may not be talking about this stuff publicly, but I'm sure that he feels some pressure on himself. Like, hey, I did this all my first like first year. I mean, you heard Kirk and what he said, like, don't be a one year wonder. And no, he wasn't speaking directly to Justin Jefferson, but in the general sense where the guy Kirk's played for ten years and he goes back to he was talking about going back to his Michigan State days of seeing guys who were a flash in the pan and that was it. No, nobody wants to do that after an incredible rookie season, be the guy who fell off or, you know, became the receiver who just, you know, lost his top end speed or wasn't, um, you know, wasn't the version of himself that he was those, you know, week three through week 17 last year. He wants to be that guy. And I think that the work that he's put in and just even talking about like the little things, his balance, I wanted to be like, did you get a BOSU ball or something? Have you been doing a lot of core work? Because he says that and he's talking about like body control and movement. And, you know, those are things that are the tiny finite details that we don't necessarily always talk about first, uh, even though they are so important to playing receiver. It's not just beating your guy off the line of scrimmage or, you know, beating press coverage and, you know, hand fighting and all things like that. Like, there's so much that goes into that. So I really do think he has all of the tools 
there, but it's the mentality part too. Like he knows, he knows he can do it. Like it's not, it's not this fake, like, oh, I got, you know, I'm, you know, go back to year zero type thing. Like he's not <laughs> that. Like he's, he's a star. And I mean, you heard Dee Westbrook talk about him too. We called him an all pro and he's like, Adam Thielen's an all pro. Maybe I can be an all pro. I mean, it's probably part of the reason why he signed here because you get to be around guys who were really, really great last year. And um, for a rookie to be that great and then that conversation, like he very much has arrived. Now it's just staying there. And I don't think that'll be hard for him. Yeah. And that, and that is, I think, a reflection, our confidence in it, in his disposition and his personality and how he's approached stardom uh, in the NFL. And we've seen, you know, different variations of this, but uh, even with Delvin cook, like a guy who is a big star in, in college and expected that of himself, like they have handled this very well. Even Eric Kendrick sort of emerged from being mm-hmm. a good player to an, actu- great one, an yeah. actual all pro. Yeah. Someone's gonna have to sort of explain to DD Westbrook, like what all pro is, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's really interesting about how this team has a lot of star talent, but they don't have anyone who you would describe as a diva. I don't really like that word, but someone who's sort of a celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they don't really have but, that. Right. Right. Technically, Justin Jefferson is that. The guy's yeah. in a video game. He's in Fortnite. Like, and he's got the gritty in Fortnite, and he's been all over the place with it. Like, technically, he is that celebrity because there's, you know, like you're talking about him in Louisiana, and you bring up that name, every single person knows right. who he is. So, but he doesn't come across like that, which I think is still the the newness of his NFL career, where this all like came at him so quickly last year. And he just had to, like, dive headfirst into the 15-foot deep end and learn how to swim. And he did a good job with it. Like, maybe there will be some leveling off where, I don't know. I mean, Kirk was talking about, like, if he does what he did last year 12 or 13 times, he'll be in Canton. Yeah, he will. Um, It's too early to project any of that. But I do think the position he's in right now, you know, when we talk about is this a thing, sophomore slump shouldn't be a thing for Justin Jefferson, but, like, it very much like preparing for how he can top what he did 1400 yards that's a lot to ask for but I think he can get close to it I certainly do yeah no I think so too um and and if you put the bar kind of at the same spot and even even a little lower statistically but he plays just as well sure then I'm gonna go with not a thing for sophomore slump and it sounds like you're going not a thing yeah, for not sophomore thing. slump um next not a thing or a thing for me is the health of some of the players that are new, Didi Westbrook, Rashad Breland, Michael Pierce, and uh, I'll even add Daniil Hunter sure. to that because they love to say, well, it's like getting another free agent having Daniil Hunter. Like, okay, well, then let's play it that way. Those guys were not at full go in practice for the first day. And you could say, hey, come on, it's the first day, who cares? And I think you'd be fine in saying that. But we have also seen other players who dealt with off-season injuries, off-season surgeries, take quite a while before they were back to 100% and even into the season. That was the, the case with Latavius Murray. When he came here, oh, he had surgery, it's no big deal. And then it took until like week five until he yeah. had his burst back. Mm-hmm. A thing or not a thing, some of these guys are showing up, either in Hunter's case, slowly getting into it, or in the other case, um, injured, banged up, were injured, head surgery, some combination of all those things. Yeah, I mean, throwing Christian Darius out of that mix right. because he's yes. dealing with the core surgery, which I kind of wonder what happened in OTAs and minicamp. Because remember, he was out there for rookie camp. He didn't really do – I mean, they were wearing, like, shorts and stuff. But, like, 
he was he was going and then all of a sudden he wasn't. So he had some sort of tweak with the groin. Um, I wonder how soon he'll be ready to go. I'm willing to say this is maybe a thing. I, I do think it is day one and I want to wait to see before I put like fully this is actually a thing that's going to hurt them. Um Michael Pierce calf injury. I mean, he was moving in the weight room. I, I watched him in there a little bit. We saw him out on the field. He was doing like the walkthrough drills, so he's not going at full speed. Daniil Hunter at first, I thought he was just going to do walkthrough speed, but he looked like he was going during live action. Um, obviously, it's eleven on eleven. Like you bop the guy in the head if you're sacking him, or you just like you know put your arm around the running back like a hug. Um, so when those pads come on, I'll be curious to see at that point what they're able to do with him. But he looked like he was moving around okay. The thing that was intriguing to me about Hunter was him going from right to left, right to left, on like both end, both defensive end spots. You would think, premier pass rusher, he's going to be going against left tackles at some point. This is probably the year that they'd move him to left defensive end. Like, He's earned it. I mean, he's obviously the best defensive lineman that you, edge rusher that you have. So, so yeah. But I, I think that them slow playing stuff is not the wrong thing because let's, let's remember, D.D. Westbrook had ACL surgery eight months ago. The Vikings clearly think he'll be ready to go soon. Otherwise, you don't make that signing this close to the start of the season. You don't mm-hmm. because. You don't really have any other receivers that stand out and jump out the page as also a number three guy or what What can we do to put this person in the mix. They're also looking at him as punt returner. So I'm willing to, like, say it's maybe a thing, but, like, let's check in next week to see which of these guys that, you know, and by the way, Dantzler did more today than he's done for months. He didn't play in the in spring or at all. Like, so, and he looks thicker. He looks bigger, like more muscular. So I thought that was a good sign. No, for sure. Yeah. That was uh, another thing I wanted to mention is that the fact that Dantzler was out there taking the first team reps um, after not being available in the spring is a a good sign for their secondary because their whole thing is going to be, look, we've got all this depth. We've got a lot of players who can play. And when he was out and all of a sudden it's Harrison hand in there, it's like, well, it looks like you got a little less if yeah. Jeff Gladney's being indicted and not here today, mm-hmm. uh, which was, I guess, we expected. expected yeah. I, I was not 100% sure how they would handle that, but uh, because our friend Brian Murphy found him in town, but here we are with him not um, practicing. So I guess we just wait and wait, and we'll find out eventually what's going to happen with him. But Dantzler being out there, it makes a better case for their depth. I don't think it's a thing with Hunter. He's got to ramp up. But he looks in freakishly great shape, as you would expect. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know everyone looks big to me right now, but he looked especially like back to old Daniel Hunter. Yeah, he looked like he did when we saw him at training camp last year at this point. And, it, I mean, just still, like, muscles in places. I didn't know there could be muscles. And he was moving. He was bending. I was watching him talking with um, Janarius Robinson like he was just working with him off the side, just about like a bend move, um, you know, coming off of like the right, the right edge. And I thought that was kind of interesting just where, you know, little things like that, trying to take away like, okay, how is he actually moving out there? He looked like he was moving. Okay. Which is good. Like, and probably even better than okay. Like I, I don't know where to judge him on that until he puts pads on and I see him hit somebody, but it, it'll be interesting, too, when Christian Darisaw gets out there against Daniil Hunter because that's going to be a big step in figuring out, can you start week one at left tackle? 
Hey everyone, summer is here and you're trying to get out on the golf course, but if you're like us here at Purple Insiders, spending all day golfing isn't always an option. That's why you need to check out Birdie Golf in Woodbury. I'll give you an example. My wife is new to golf and she's intimidated by the big courses, but at Birdie Golf, she could come and play without the pressure. You can make golf a family experience at Birdie Golf. Bring the kids, still get all of your swings in. They have eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and still have a great time. I've heard from several listeners to the show who have tried out Birdie Golf and absolutely loved it. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights. And every time Sam and I show up at Birdie Golf to record our podcast, we always get the boneless wings. Make golf a night out. It's the perfect place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, and even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive away from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro at birdiegolf.com, B-I-R-D-I golf.com. Call 651-998-2200 today, and I'll see you there. Folks, a very cool thing has happened. Purple Insider now has shirts. If you go to sodastick.com, go to their MN football section, you can see the Purple Insider shirt. I would love to say that I designed it, but actually Sodastick designed it, and they did a tremendous job with an old-school football helmet and our Purple Insider logo. So if you want to support the show, it's a great way to do it. Go to sodastick, S-O-T-A, S-T-I-C-K dot com. Go where it says MN Football. Check it out. You'll see it right at the top, the Purple Insider shirt. Do it within the next couple of days. That's the only window that we're selling these shirts in. So go check them out. Find them and check out the rest at SodaStick.com. If you want some socks with Randy Moss on them to get ready for football season, a great way to do it. Everything screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfortable shirts. SodaStick.com. Get our merch. And even if you don't, there's lots of other things to check out there. Go do that right now. It is a thing for Darisaw yes, in my mind. I do too. It is a thing for Michael Pierce in my mind because Michael Pierce has not played football in a very long time. And I mean, I, I don't know if he was like he had like injury issues when he was with Baltimore, but he didn't play that many snaps. He had weight issues when right. he was with Baltimore. Like that's just, like I'm not even saying that to be funny. Like it was a big thing. Like yeah. when he got told at training at minicamp and OTAs leave because you're 390 pounds and he's a big guy. Like so, I do wonder. You're dealing with the calf thing now, like, and you, you could tell he was really trying to like get out there and do whatever he could, um, even if it was like in limited fashion. The good thing is they have Sheldon Richardson, and you can put Dalvin Tomlinson back where he probably belongs at, at nose. And so I think that that's a good problem to have if you're the Vikings. But you want to see Michael Pierce at some point. I mean, you paid all the money like to get him here as he was your big free agent in 2020. And if you, I, I that's why I say this may be a thing because there's some of these like I don't think will be as big of a thing. Darisaw for sure. I don't know if he's ready week one, and I know that they said they're going to slow play him. Mike Zimmer said they're going to be, quote, very careful with him, as they should be. He's your first-round pick. You cannot afford to screw this up. So if you have Rashad Hill for the first couple weeks against Cincinnati and then Arizona, um, I think that that's not the worst-case scenario when you talk about moving somebody along, quote, very slow. I mean, Mike yeah. Zimmer kind of laid out the scenario that Christian Darisaw is not going to be ready. Yep. 
Uh, and I would almost expect now at this point, unless I'm very surprised by the progress of Derisaw, that he's not going to be ahead of Rashad Hill. And then when that happens, if that happens, I guess we'll have to see. But that's that's the projection as we stand right sure. now, trying to Day decide, one, yeah. is it a thing? And then as we go along, we'll obviously update where these people stand. Breland, to me, I, I don't have too much concern about. No, but he'll, he'll be ready. to. I, I was told in the spring that it might be like a, like a week maybe but he'll be ready to go and he was out there with the second team I just don't know you know like would you call him full speed yet I, I don't know I yeah probably not it's a shoulder thing like and he's still recovering from it he had surgery late remembers right before free like right around free agency and then we have to see is Dantzler still with the first team mm-hmm. as we go along and as Bashad Breeland gets back to 100 percent D.D. Westbrook I'm gonna say yes a thing because of his contract they gave him one year one million and what that means to me is that nobody else in the league was willing to say, we're going to give you more than one year, one million. And I'm sure, you know, Didi can say, oh, we wanted to come here for Keenan McCardell. He was his coach. They were going to find the most money for him. Sure. And there was no money out there for him. That says nobody's really sure about where he's going to be back to. Mike Zimmer talked about loving the way that he looked in his workout, but he's not out here practicing full just yet. So until we see that, he's getting off to a start where he's behind everybody else Mm -hmm. until we see that I could say it's not a thing if he looks great when he comes out here, but it wasn't that long ago that he had this ACL injury. It's just like, well, why would you sign him? If if it was going to be something that's like a four month more recovery process to get you basically to the one year mark of October week seven, when he tore it, why would you sign him? There's other wide receivers out there. You could have gotten Larry Fitzgerald. He's still unsigned last (laughs) I checked. Maybe like, you know, I I don't know how that one, like, to me, it's twofold because they expect him to be a contributor in punt return, which they need because they were not good at that last year. But at this point, when do you expect him out on the field? At that one, it is concerning, but it's just like if you're the Vikings and you gave him this knowing that he's going to be like four more months, why'd you do that? Like, that would be really idiotic, in my opinion, if, if that was really the case. So to me, it kind of hints that maybe they think he'll be more ready like maybe it wasn't as severe of an ACL I know that we talked to him and he said like you know the doctors told him it would be a minute before he'd be back (laughs) and he's like um no I want to I want to go now and so I I really am going to be curious to see when he is full go because I don't understand why you would make this signing if if he wasn't ready because there are still free agent wide receivers you could go get and with Delvin Cook it was week four uh with D.D. Westbrook it was week seven when they both tore their ACLs, Delvin Cook was back for the next year. I think he played in the third preseason game of the next year and obviously started the yeah. season and was very, very good. ACLs are a thing that we look at like Tommy John surgery these days where a guy has Tommy John surgery and you go, okay, he'll come back and he'll pitch next year. That's what we're assuming with D.D. Westbrook. My only concern here in terms of it being a thing is if he gets behind in training camp because he can't do everything, and then where is he at with the offense, his chemistry with Kirk Cousins? And we've sort of been down this road before of here's a guy who's supposed to be wide receiver three who doesn't ultimately end up doing a whole lot for the team like we projected on the day that they signed him. I guess there's a little bit of skepticism there from the price, from when he suffered the injury, that will he be back to 100% by even the time preseason is over? That's what we're going to want to find out. I'm going to say for right now, I think it's a thing. I just don't understand why you'd sign him if you didn't see movement in the workout. Like, 
that would almost be negligent if you're just like, oh, yeah, like we are going to spend. I mean, they have still have money to spend, right? Like they could go they go get somebody else if they want to. But I just feel like since it's this close to the season starting, maybe it's not as severe as an ACL. Like I really don't know. I just don't understand like why you'd bring somebody in that's injured. Like that is literally not ready to go until – week five that wouldn't make any sense to me as you're trying to figure out your best 53 like in receiver as we know wide receiver three is always a thing in training camp like you have a bunch of rookies and yes Amir Smith-Marset made a great catch in the back of the end zone on a play where Kellen Mond you know would have been sacked had it been real time he probably would have moved around in the pocket but nonetheless um I haven't seen anybody else really stand out and I'm not even just talking about oh it's day one overreaction like I go back to minicamp and I go back to OTAs none of the rookies did much that like were really impressive or you know even even Chad Beebe and Ola B.C. Johnson like they were kind of like just winning by default because they were veterans right and and so with Westbrook I think that they think that it, it will be fine and that's yeah. why they brought him here we'll and see. they and they waited till the very last minute to see just how far he would be along and their assessment said that he would be it's just we've We've seen this happen before where it's, oh, this guy will be fine. He'll be fine. And then is he fine? And I'm not comparing it to Pat Elfline's injuries, which sure. were much worse, but it was the same sort of deal where we waited and waited and waited. And then it took a little while for him to get in until he's in and until he's looking back to football shape and being wide receiver three on a daily basis in the first team reps. I'm going to say, let's let's sort of wait and see before we say he's locked into that spot and nobody else could come up and get it. Um, the other thing I, I wanted to talk about was offensive line okay. and whether it's a thing that uh, Oli Udo <laughs> is mixing in with the first team with Dakota Dozier. I will just say first that they've done this many times where you have a guy who's kind of on the bubble getting his last chance and they give him first team reps to see how it goes and then they decide at the end. We saw it with TJ Clemmings. We saw it with Aviant Collins. And I think we're now seeing it with, with Oliudo, where it's like, well, you clearly aren't a tackle, we've decided. But then he got, yeah, first team right guard reps, him splitting with Dozier. I mean, they've done this before. To me, it tells me Wyatt Davis isn't ready yet. Um, and they really are going to make him earn that starting job. Like that, he should be your day one starting right guard, right? But in theory, I honestly kind of think it's Dakota Dozier at this point. I think so too. Like, so I, I, I guess so. This would be me calling it a thing, right? Uh, you're, you're saying, well, you would be saying that it, it, it's a thing to talk about this right guard situation and the fact that Wyatt Davis is not first team. That's, so I, I didn't yeah. clearly ask what is a thing. Um, I do. I, I think that's a thing. That's a thing. I do. Um, and maybe they did it this way because Darisaw was hurt. Wyatt Davis, remember, had a knee thing that, you know, he hurt himself uh, at the end of last season. And in his national championship game, he had to go out in like the second quarter. Um, but he played through a knee injury for the last five games of the Big Ten season. Maybe they both are dealing with injuries that require a little bit more of a slow play, but that's still a thing for the Vikings. If you're thinking about revamping your offensive line, if you don't have your first round draft pick at left tackle and your third round pick at right guard right away, I think that's a thing. Do I think he'll be the right guard at some point this season? Absolutely. But I think it's a thing. 
Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly, well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855-217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think Dakota Dozier playing on the first team also is a thing, and he could very well start at right guard. I do not think that Ole Udo mixing in at right guard is a thing until it's proven that he is until because we've seen this before yeah, you're right. right until he gets a start in preseason or you know what i mean like until we really see evidence that he could actually be the right guard i think it's more of just we've got to see what he looks like there to decide whether we're going to cut him or not yeah that's they've done this often with first team reps and he's a late round draft pick but they seem to love him they seem to really be invested in this because what, what year was he? Was he part of the 18 group? Uh, 19. 19. So yep. he hasn't even been here that long. But they seem to like what he provides from a depth stance. They mention him a lot. Like, they really do. <laughs> but it's not like... You know, like, we never see any evidence of I'm it. I'm just like, like, you talk about him like, oh, like this could be a swing tackle or whatever. Like, right. Well, when has he actually played? <laughs> like Last it's, I checked, he really hasn't played much. Inactive. So, they bring back Rashad yeah. Hill again. Like, they're, Rashad's they're ha- your swing tackle. Like, right. That's clear as... That's clear as day to me. So there hasn't been a whole lot of evidence. And then I think that this is further evidence that they're thinking this might be the end of the road. Um, Blake Brandle is another guy that they seem to like, and they're moving him around around to different spots. spots, And our buddy Jeremiah Searles says, like, once they start moving you closer to the middle from the outside, like, you only have so many chances at that. Like, that means you're kind of on your last legs. So we'll see. If it's a thing, then it will sort of reveal itself as it goes along. But as of right now... Um, Wyatt Davis is going to have to climb up over this bar mm-hmm. as we've talked about with other guys. Like you're going to have to, if you, if you're Smith Marset, you're going to have to clear some guys to get to where you want to be to make a difference. And the same thing is going to be for Wyatt Davis. Uh, last one for you from day one of training camp. Is it a thing that Kellen Mond not only, um, is not quarterback number two, but had a pretty rough first day, yeah. I would say. In warmups, he missed some very routine like checkdowns, short throws to running backs. He made one great throw, but as you said, he was clearly sacked by uh, Janarius Robinson. I can't Is tell. It was, was Robinson coming off the edge, or did they like use a stunt and move him in, like inside? I mean, this is like this is minutiae. I, just, I like, wish I had the tape. I, I don't. 
Yeah, I think. Um, but but he. But yes, he yes, essentially got like, to Mond. Yes. could have eaten a sandwich and he, the, right, right, the like, he yeah. would have he would have strip sacked him easily. So he took I, a long time to throw it, I then made a great a, throw. I do think it's a thing, and we knew when Kellen Mond got drafted that it was going to be a year long process before he was even ready to be in the conversation of possibly taking over for for Kirk Cousins. I don't think Mond is ready to be number number two. To me, it's it's Jake Browning as of right now. Um, fortunately, this team never is in really throughout Cousins' career. He's never needed to turn to the number two because of injuries. He's a very durable guy. Um, a lot of that's luck. Um, a lot of that is also just like pocket awareness and things like that. And if they upgrade the offensive line in the interior, if it does actually pan out, then he should be in good shape. But um, in not taking unnecessary sacks and hits, whatever. But I do think it's a thing because we've got, what, a month until the start of the season pretty much? Like, how much – if you're drinking from a fire hose right now, when does it slow down? When does it become drinking from a stream? Like, I just – I worry that they want to prove that that draft pick was right. I mean, it's a third-round draft pick. He's kind of got to be your number two, right? But don't put him there if he's not ready. Even if you know Kirk Cousins is going to be just fine and not have to turn to the number two, I just wouldn't do it that way. So they end, they could end up, you know what they could do is just keep three on the active roster. I think, honestly, in my 53 that I put out on ESPN.com, we do one like before camp, and then we do what basically based off of, I wrote it at the end of mini camp, and we just like put it out today. It's based off OTA's mini camp, and then we'll do one right before cut down. But no, I mean, like, I'm going to have you look this up. But I do think, back to your point about Kellen Mond, that I just don't want them to, like, get into this, like, vision, like, envision that they have to have this happen in order to prove themselves right. Like, I don't think it'd be a bad thing. Like, look at Jordan Love. He was inactive the entire last year, and I don't even know who – Aaron Rodgers' backup quarterback was last year, but it wasn't the first-round draft pick. Like, I think that there's there's circumstances where it's okay. And we knew when Kellen Mond was drafted, he was going to need multiple, you know, a year, if not maybe even longer, to develop. I mean, he took him four years for it to all come together at Texas A&M. This wasn't a finished product by any stretch, so I think it's, I think it's definitely a thing right now. Right, and you don't want to cut – the quarterback that you feel more com- uh, comfortable no, with running your offense being Jake Browning at this moment. So Kellen Mond has, in my mind, a very long way to go. Yeah. Much longer than I guess I thought it was going to look like when he got here. Um, and I guess we'll just see what happens because I don't want to jump the gun and say like, oh, this guy's totally lost out there. Like that's how it looks, but it's also the first day. So yeah, absolutely. But I just, you know... How many, how many, like, are we going to be talking like a week from now and be like, oh man, he's made a ton of strides. If we do, then I'll switch my opinion. But right now yeah. I think it's a thing. Yeah. And the, and the presence of COVID still lingering. Yes. And not knowing who's vaccinated. And sorry, when people get irritated about people asking the quarterbacks about their vaccination status, it's the most important position in football, most important position in sports, Right. but in football, you need to know. And if there, if Kirk Cousins is, he will not disclose his vaccination status, which makes me think he's not vaccinated. Otherwise you would just say it. Um, if there's an issue, like what do they do? So not good. Right. If they had a Denver Broncos situation or yeah. something, like they, they need to have 
more than one backup option, I think. And with Kirk, I, d- I don't know because he didn't reveal that today. And I think some other quarterbacks around the league have been saying, oh, I don't want to talk about it because they don't want to alienate any teammates. So I can't make a judgment there sure. on whether he is or isn't. We see some players wearing masks as we walk through um, and see we can't, see And we can't tell bit. on the field. I mean, I know the whole yeah. thing about wristbands um, was made to be a big deal. Uh and I they, couldn't and they, tell. They were wearing something when they were lifting. From when I walked by, they were wearing yes. like a red thing. The players who were unvaccinated and wearing masks. But I don't want to say who was doing what because I'm not really sure. Yeah, like we it, were at a distance. Definitely, there's a there's a lot of um, moving parts there. I wonder, like, will we find out? Like, is there some sort of tracking device? Like, I asked Eric Kendricks about it today. Like, some teams are wearing wristbands in the building. Are you doing it? He's like, well, I'm not. I don't know if anybody else is. And he's also told us he's vaccinated. So, yeah. So, yeah, sorry. That's going to continue to be a storyline. Hopefully it isn't for any positive tests or anything else like that. And uh, we can just go forward with everything as normal. Courtney Cronin, ESPN, in person. Amazing. In the flesh. Look at that. Man. What a time. Training camp. So it's over. A, a no, pr- so day one's yeah, over. Day, I got a little day ahead of one is over. Yeah, we have a long way to go from here. You and I will be doing this uh, semi regularly, as always. So thank you for your time, and uh, thank you all for listening.